Con Radio, presented by Wizard World. Radio for geeks. Case file Arkham. Her blood runs cold. Detective Hank Flynn returns for another case that will lead him into the darkest corners of Lovecraft's most cursed city, Arkham, Massachusetts. When an old friend shows up at Flynn's office waving a gun and rambling about the abyss of the Shawgoths, the detective is pulled into a case of love, revenge, and an elite family's generational feud, one which just so happens to involve a cult that is interbred with the spawn of a Sumerian god. Case File Arkham. Her blood runs cold. Be sure to visit casefilearkham.com. Well, hello out there, everybody. This is Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, too. And uh, also some guy named Jim Cummings. You're not going to believe this, but you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Good job. Keep it up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Canned Air, a tribute to comics and pop culture right here on Wizard World's Con Radio. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I am Jake Rutney. And returning to the show today for the third time and for our 150th episode. 150 episodes under our belt. Can you believe that? Doesn't feel like it. And next week will be three-year anniversary. Yeah. Nice. Wow. Living the dream. Yeah. I never thought, I, I thought we'd fizzle out after like two episodes. I really did. <laughs> Your sins would catch up to you. Yeah. You're behind bars or below ground by now. Maybe by episode 200. Something. Happened. There should be some sort of canned air tattoo to celebrate oh, no. that. Oh, my. Hey, hey. Yeah. Not, nothing <laughs> seals a deal like a tattoo, you That's know? That's super permanent. <laughs> And returning to the show today, uh, Frank Mueller of Aces and Eights Press to talk about an upcoming comic book that we've got to look at, Fall Streak, and it's freaking amazing. Can't wait to talk more about it. Frank Thank Mueller, thanks for being uh, back on the show with us today. Thanks for having me on. We've got a good show lined up for you uh, in the Retro Roundtable. Uh, in the height of Stranger Things popularity, we're going to be talking about the movies uh, that helped inspire what Stranger Things became from the 80s. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. Absolutely. I'm going to need some help because I can only think of a couple. i got a handful here sitting in front of me that awesome. should work. Then in the comic dump bin, we're going to be talking about some uh, older Marvel comics, it looks like. What do you got, Jack? Uh, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Doctor I got Strange. me. Ghost Rider. What about you, Jake? I have got a superhero from the mind of Clive Barker, the return of the incredible Z-Man. Ooh. It's a weird one. <laughs> uh, sleep fun. a lot. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's his whole angle. I'm anxious to see what's in it. And then we'll uh, turn our full attention over to Frank and talk more about Ball Streak. So, let's kick this episode off with this week's Retro Round Table. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> All right, guys, so where do we begin? I mean, I feel we should first comment on Stranger Things. I mean, damn, what a good show that has been. It's got that Spielberg feel. Oh, yeah. Absolutely amazing. You'd think he'd have his hands in it. You really would. One one would imagine, yeah. Yeah. It's just something about that. Like, it all comes back to, like, groups of kids on their bikes with flashlights. Mm Mm-hmm getting too deep into something they can't handle you know yeah. it's like something about that formula it just works and i think if you're a child from the 80s that 
I don't know, always kind of resonated with the, yeah, I don't know, like, like that's yeah. what tempered your sense of adventure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, this is like the last generation that could probably relate to that, right? <laughs> right. Kid, yeah, really. Kids, right. kids don't go outside or, you know, do the kind of stuff like, you know, we did when we were kids. They get for iPads and stuff like that. Far fewer military experiments and stuff. These <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can think of several um, times growing up where I would get on my bike and go round up the neighbor kids and try to get into some kind of, you know, yeah. we do that all shenanigans. The time, yeah. And during the summer, yeah. I was gone by usually maybe seven, eight in the morning and yeah. back at dusk. Yeah, and yep. though you'd go have fun, you never, you know, found underground no. pirate ships or anything, <laughs> no. but... Uh, I, you tried. Know, I almost <laughs> wonder <laughs> if, like, that generation had something to do with the rise of... It's kind of fizzled out now, but for a time, it was really popular to explore, like, abandoned buildings and things. I think oh, you've still got, like, yeah. urban ruins explorers and people going to old complexes in the woods and stuff. I, I almost feel like that's the closest thing you can get. You know, I wonder if it's that generation of kids who grew up with that. I can see that because I, I dig that totally. Not that I go into a lot of abandoned buildings, but if there were more around, I certainly oh, would. Dude, only done it the one time. I've been dying to do it again. Oh, if, as kids, we used to. Anytime there was a, an abandoned house or something like that, we we would totally break in there and like yeah. look around. Yeah, and it was always like a like there was always like a rumor that it was haunted or something. <laughs> yeah, you know? like oh no, it's just it's just a it's just a crappy house. Nobody wants to buy, but you know. As a kid, you know, it's so much fun to, to. It's as a kid, it was fun to do something you weren't supposed to do. Oh yeah, you were, regardless of what it was, right? That was like the crux of any adventure: is that you weren't supposed to be having yeah. it. Like if you, <laughs> if it was okay, no one was interested. You know, an adventure that if your parents found out about, they would be in over their heads. It's something <laughs> yeah. only the kids can <laughs> handle. You know? Yeah. So that's why I think Stranger Things was. Uh, I mean, it's such a big hit because at some level, we you know we were those kids. Yeah, we didn't get mm-hmm. into the kind of adventure that they got, but you know, riding around and especially if they were kind of like geek kids that like mm-hmm. you know played Dungeons and Dragons and like were really into Star Wars. Like, you know, I mean that 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 was essentially me. So, you know, it was uh, it was an amazing show. Here's a here's a hypothetical for you. You know, we've, I assume we've all had fairly average lives, not bad or boring necessarily, but not a lot of telekinetic monsters or anything like that. And <laughs> not yet. Imagine if you could be in that world. We'll just say Stranger Things, for instance. Would you take the trade off? Would you have a childhood where you stumble upon something dark and incredible like that at the risk of being one of the kids who doesn't make it? Or would you keep your regular boring childhood and just experience that through movies and games? And such? I would be the kid that made it. Oh, oh. <laughs> we got some confidence. Do or do not, oh, Jake. There is no try to survive. Wow. <laughs> I don't think I could live in a world where monsters come out of the shadows, man. Right? I that's, would be. That's the thing I always come back to is like these kids make it out and they're kids, so they're tough. They bounce right. back. Yeah. Right. Twenty, There's... thirty years down the line, that's that's going to come back in yeah. a big way. Like, I'd yeah. be like Howard Hughes, shut in a room, <laughs> in a mason jar. <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the case of Stranger Things, no, I wouldn't do it. But like, if you're talking Goonies, oh, Goonies, if you're anyone talking, in their right mind, would talking ET, ET for sure. Oh yeah, I'd be there. Even though the big scary implications of life on other planets, you know. Yeah. See, I I don't. So I don't I don't want to see a UFO. I don't want to see a ghost ever. I don't think I could ever come back from that. Like, you know what I mean? Like if there was like concrete evidence that all that is real, that that would just change the see, world for I, I me forever. Oh, you absolutely. You and I, we're the guys that don't look under the bed when we think there's a no. monster there. 
It's just yeah, better just, not just to know. go to sleep. <laughs> well, if I'm up in the morning, then I guess that's best case. Stand scenario. on the bed and jump as far as you can away, so nothing will grab you in case it's yeah. under there. I've mentioned this movie before, uh, The Fourth Kind, where uh, oh, they opened yeah, up yeah. and they really sell it to you, like what you're about to see is real. Now, and again, I will say that for a few days after seeing it, I believed it because I had no reason not to. They said yeah. it was real. Why didn't you know? They wouldn't lie to us. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, but indeed they did. But in those few days, I was petrified like oh my oh, yeah. god this shit is really out there like it messed with me it really did and then obviously I got a phone call once at four in the morning and I'm very open to suggestion that early in the morning you know when I've just been sleeping whatever I hear for the next 20 minutes or so is fact and it was a friend of mine who I trusted I don't know later on I found out she was just fucking with me but she calls me at four in the morning and she's like Jake it's it man it's happening They've chosen an ambassador, right? The government's chosen someone to talk to them. Like, what are you talking about? I don't understand. She's like, the government sent someone to talk to them. They're here. It finally happened. And for about 30 seconds, I was losing my mind. It was like, it felt real. All of it just made sense at the time. It's just my brain was just like, yeah, oh yeah, no, this is it. The aliens came now at four in the morning in Delaware, Ohio. You know, it's just, and it terrified me. And I was so mad at her the whole rest of the week. I was like, how could you do that to me? You know when it's that early, I accept everything as fact. It's got to be the same kind of feeling that, like, I don't know what year it was, but when they played War, War of the Worlds yeah. on oh, the yeah. radio and didn't tell anybody, and, you know. Thousands of people thought we were being invaded. <laughs> yeah. Can't imagine. I cannot imagine, mm. especially in Just that get era. Caught in that. And you, uh, yeah. What's on the radio? Oh my God! What's happening? <laughs> there's there's that feeling I, I couldn't get rid. Of. It, it wasn't like the idea, like, oh, what if they're dangerous? What if there's a war? What if this, that, the other? It was like nothing will ever be the same. Ever, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm the guy whose generation changed. You know, right. who experienced some world-shattering <laughs> event. Yeah. Yeah, like people wouldn't go to work anymore. It would just right. yeah, yeah, it'd it's be like chaos. Society would. What's the point down. of going to work? <laughs> yeah. We lost the race. Now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I find that ghost sightings and UFO sightings, like out of people who tell those stories to me, typically correlate pretty heavily with how much uh, marijuana was consumed at the time. <laughs> of the There's a ratio at work there. There's right. A, yeah. Graph that out. <laughs> I know in Goonies, I would have quit when I found bullet holes in the back of a car. They're like, all right, guys, we're not (laughs) doing anything. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that would be a deal breaker. Whatever we stand to gain, it's not worth. What about uh, (laughs) Super 8? Oh, man. Super 8 was great. I have seen that. Super great, right? (laughs) It's like a super lethal situation they're stuck in. I think I've seen that. Refresh me, though. I don't remember uh, exactly. The kids, they're making a movie for the Super 8 film contest that train derails, and it was hauling a captive alien. It's like a... uh, it's like a telepathic, four-armed, almost ape-like looking thing. It's trying to reconstruct its ship out of these little cubes of, like, programmable matter. And it's that's pretty much the whole plot. Huh. <laughs> I couldn't watch it because the wife thought it was scary, so... No, we're well, not going to watch it. It's not, like... It wasn't scary. It wasn't very... Yeah. yeah. It had yeah, a couple of jump movie. moments. Oh, it was so cool, though. I need to watch that. I haven't. I guess I haven't oh, seen yeah, it. I thought I had, It's but... so worth it, man. I loved it. Huh. The movie that I instantly thought of when I saw uh, Stranger Things was Monster Squad. (laughs) We were talking about that today, and the only thing I can remember from that movie was they were getting chased by the Wolfman, and the one kid's like, kick him in the nards! (laughs) They're like, Wolfman don't got nards, just do it! I remember that the the sister, they were going to sacrifice her as a virgin, and at the end... uh, 
at the end they she wasn't a virgin and they're like all looking at her and she's like yep yeah, what that one time didn't count <laughs> that was a cool one yeah yeah it was the stand by me of course oh, oh man. i no, i had that on the list and i wondered whether or not to mention that but what a great movie yeah what a great movie it makes me think yeah, of the was... sandlot <laughs> yeah all i remember sort of in that movie, age, yeah. after the end, I was watching the credits, and I was little when I watched it, of course. And at the credits, it said, uh, "The Body" by Stephen King, yeah. and I was like, "Wow, the body that they found in the movie was made by Stephen King." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> not that that's the name of the book that he wrote. <laughs> right. That's that amazing that like Stephen King wrote all these short novellas that became these big movies, right? Mm-hmm. Like He's Shawshank and, and... <laughs> oh man, Shawshank! What a great movie! Yeah. Nowhere in the realm of Stranger Things, right? <laughs> Do you guys remember? Maybe, maybe it's because I was a little younger at the time. But like Disney Channel, I didn't like it. I had a sister who was even younger, so it was always on back in the day when I was a kid. But every Halloween, they'd have these Disney Halloween movies. Like there would be like a mummy or like a coven of witches, and and they all kind of followed that formula of like the gang of kids who stumble onto something oh, monstrous, yeah. sort of. I guess I don't know where I'm going with this. If you guys haven't seen this, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, sweet. You know. Yeah, that's cool. Let's move on. <laughs> Why don't you guys take the reins? <laughs> what else uh, you got? What? Never ending story. I was gonna say that's like my, one of my favorite movies from the '80s, and like the title sequence and all the like the video graphics, like really reminded me of Never Ending Story too. Like in terms of the look and feel of it, yeah. like from a cinematic point of view, it's yeah. got that dreamlike vibe that's it's hard to describe, but like you know it when you, you something you feel. Never remember crying so hard when the horse yeah, they, got eaten by the sand. I was gonna <laughs> say I I cried like a baby when Artek got eaten by the swamp of sorrows. <laughs> I'm still upset by that. I always, I always like made a show of acting really tough. It's like my sister would be upset, and I'd be like, "It's a horseman." Single There's, tear runs brave. down your cheek. Yeah. There's nothing in movies that hurt, like makes me like get it. It's like emotional as a, an animal heroically sacrificing itself for its master. Yeah. That wolf in that movie still gives me the creeps. Yeah, when it comes up upon him. That was some good animatronics I had back then. I want to show it to my son, but I'm I'm scared that he's gonna you know be like terrified. I'm gonna have him wandering into my bedroom at like you know four in the morning, being like the wolf set the door. Yeah, <laughs> those uh, those Sphinx guardian things that would Big incinerate boobs. you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I remember watching that movie with my family when I was younger, and I was just like, "This is okay with them? They're like, this is green lit." It's like, <laughs> yes, son, there they are. I'm like, all right, sweet, this is a good movie. Have you ever seen the Adventures of Baron Munchausen? Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. no. Never even That's heard great- of it. You haven't. Uh, it's a great oh, movie from great. the it's 80s. Terry Gilliam, right? I was gonna say, yeah. Terry Gilliam, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah really, it, like, really warped. That nation of it's like fire giants or some such myth, and they're building a nuclear bomb. <laughs> like, yeah. How? What? And when? And the materials? There's so many questions. Why would and a then, fire uh, giant need a nuclear bomb? He's well, a he, fire giant. He, he explains it's to kill the enemy and the enemy's wife and the enemy's sheep and all their friends and all their friends' wives and sheep and it goes on and on he's talking about <laughs> and then Uma Thurman like comes out of this clan yeah, yeah, and she, god she was beautiful I was like I think that may have been her first movie and it was just yeah. like who is this goddess that came out of this show she is gorgeous I'm gonna fill you in on a little secret a little Jake Runyon fun fact I loves me some Uma Thurman 
You're in good I'm company. I'm glad we're on the same page. You're in good company. <laughs> I never heard of her until Pulp Fiction, and then found really? out that she did other movies before that. Yeah, Kill Bill. Yeah, you should you should definitely check out Baron Munchausen. It's really weird and warped, but like like a typical uh, Terry Gilliam type movie. But yeah. there's some really really great. There's a whole like scene where Robin Williams is like they're on the moon. <laughs> He's the king of the moon, right? He's the king of the moon, and his head can like come off and fly around, and like it's just all this weird stuff going on where it's like it's kind of like a play on Jack and the Beanstalk because they kind of go up there and they're these giants, but right. it's just Robin Williams being like classic Robin Williams off the walls bananas flying like around with a head. Any one part of that movie is baffling but like when you uh, see it yeah. all together you're like oh yeah of course no detachable heads you know just like in the context <laughs> it's all fine like as a child it made perfect sense sure. that you could sail <laughs> sail to the moon from the ocean yeah and then <laughs> climb down on a rope <laughs> oh yeah that's where the moon is it's at the end of the ocean duh <laughs> what about the movie et what hmm E.T. I'm going to punch you. Oh, is that how it's pronounced? (laughs) E.T., man. man. That was a wave of rage that just went through. (laughs) I still remember. What year did that come out? Did it say? No. It's like 80. I think it's 85. I think it may be 85. Yeah, somewhere around there. I still remember when it came out, like how freaking big it was and how obsessed I was. I remember McDonald's was giving like E.T. posters and the Happy Meals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was beside myself. Don't have any of it to this day. <laughs> so have you said seen the fan theory that E.T. is actually a Jedi? Yes. Yes, because you can see uh, like a whole pot of like his species in Phantom Menace yeah, if you yeah. look real close. Yeah. Oh, really and, then right. my, and then he can move things with his mind, right? He makes the bike fly. Right. right? Oh, yeah. And he, and there's a scene on Halloween when he was dressed like the ghost and there was a kid that walked by dressed like Yoda and he like started like running towards him. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> he's just a Jedi that took a really sharp blow yeah. to the head and now he's like a child Jedi. <laughs> he came from a guy. Was he a child who just didn't understand us? Because Kino, he seemed to... He seemed to get on that ship and like, what did he do on the ship? Like, was he just like a worker? Like, watch, he's like the janitor. Right. Yeah. yeah right? <laughs> engineer. Now that we've come all these light years to save you, mop that shit up. Have you guys seen the the well the ET new edition? I guess when they CG'd him the whole part where he was Oy. drinking beer and stuff. I no. Think that's- no. Yeah, it was it was horrible. Why That's would they ridiculous. do that? Why, why did George Lucas do any of that? <laughs> we uh, when we went to Universal Studios, when was that? That was probably Last two or three year? years. No, probably two years ago. I think um, they still had the ET ride available open, and it's you know it's a kids ride. It's it's like doing Peter Pan's flight or some something yeah. like that. So you you can't expect much out of it going into it. Um, though it was pretty cool. I mean, you know, you, obviously you're on the bike and you're flying around stuff, and then you're actually on their planet at one point, and there's all these, you know, weird trees and shit. You see a bunch of them moving around. But the thing that was so freaking funny, you could tell this was an old ride because when you go in, when you're in line, they ask your name. They give you a pass. Is it <laughs> your name? Like, what the hell does it matter? <laughs> What's your name? Sosh. Address. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you say, uh, Jeremy. Okay, then uh, at the end of the ride, when, you're, when your bike's landing... And I will say, one cool part is, like, when you're flying and you're coming down, when you, like, ramp down the front of the police car, it feels real. And, like, these Jeeps all swinging from the sides that you're weaving in and out. That was really cool. 
But when you're, again, when you're leaving the ride, you slow down and you're going around this curve and there's a great big animatronic E.T. sitting there, like, saying goodbye to everybody. And it says, uh, what was it, like, thanks for helping me, Jeremy. (laughs) 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 That's why they wanted the name. (laughs) E.T., I don't remember what he was saying exactly, but it was so freaking funny. We lost it. We lost it. I'm probably dating myself, but I remember the E.T. Atari game that, like, supposedly, like, was the most... Uh, unsuccessful Atari game ever made where they buried like 3 million copies in the Arizona desert. I yeah. beat it. I still have yeah. that game. I, 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 I remember being like really, really into it as a kid. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Because of the hype of the movie. I mean, it didn't care when at that time when there's no more advanced video games to hold it up against. When that's the top of the line and it's all you got, you know, it was yeah. an ET. Your ET. Yeah. That's good enough. You know, I, I just... The objective was not to fall in the pit. Yeah, that yeah. happened every time. And Maybe I know you had to find the phone. To float out, but I could never figure out how to do right. it. Right. Yeah. yeah, you had to find the pieces of the phone, right? So you can call home. So you basically <laughs> like wandered around looking for the phone. I wish I had an old TV. I'd hook that thing up in a heartbeat. I still have all the games <laughs> and everything. I just none of the TVs I have uh, will take it. Now the new season of uh, Stranger Things is supposed to be like said one year later. So I think they said it was, I think it was going to be 1984 or 1985. And they said it was going to be um, much darker. Cool. And it's going to focus more on Will and like the, I guess the upside down world that, you know, they were in. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty wild from, you know, from what I hear in the Russo brothers talk about and really like really darker and like explore that side of it. You know, it's funny. I heard when uh, this show was being shopped around, a lot of major networks turned it down. Like, <laughs> this is retarded. This is stupid. No one's going to like, you know. It's too interesting and new and brave. Right. Yeah, really. Probably have some CEO hanging in a closet right now. <laughs> <laughs> there was times watching. I swear I was watching an old show from, from back then. Yeah, it pulls you in. I mean, from the very beginning, before you even see the show, the opening, you know, where you just see Stranger Things, that like... The soundtrack really sold it for me, too. Well, do you remember, like, in the 80s when you'd go rent a VHS, like an MGM, what what was it, MGM Home Movies, and you put it in? It was that very same kind of neon outline. You get, like, that kind of laser grid into the distance. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that in itself pulls you in. But the stereotypes of the children that they fill, you know, you have your chunk equivalent and... uh, (laughs) Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess there's no data. I was going to say the guy, the real techie kid, but there is no techie kid. No, isn't they don't even have that opportunity. <laughs> they got the telepathic kid. That's a, that's a strong replacement yeah. for your tech savvy kid. I won't forget the one part in the movie where when the phone blew up and went in a rider's hand, and she went and got the new phone, and it was a wall-mounted phone, and she went and got a new one that wasn't, and she had to plug the cord in, and she ended up plugging it in, and she couldn't go very far. So she ended up pulling her chair right up to it. And just before that, I was telling Misty, I was like, that's back when like that whole room is going to change to where everything is like the the phone is the the, the central point of everything Mm -hmm. because everything's got to be in reach of that. Yeah. When we uh, were growing up and I'm sure you can relate uh, our rotor, we had a single rotary phone that hung in the kitchen because the kitchen wasn't right in the center of the house. Mm -hmm. 
And the greatest day, I mean, it was like getting a cell phone back in the 80s, is when you got the 50-foot cord for the receiver. That way you could, you know, dial someone up and walk all the way across the house, mind you tripping everyone else in the way. Yeah. And rotary phones. Lord forbid you're having a heart attack and you've got to call your, like, one neighbor with a car or something. You're right, right. I think he's got, like, three nines in his number. It's all the end numbers, mostly. Oh, man. I had a friend who had a number like that. We weren't friends for long. Yeah, yeah. He started Why writing. Why don't you call me anymore? It's taking too long to call you. At some point during the middle, you always forget what number you're on. You're like, did I dial that one already? Oh, God yeah. damn it. Rotary phone. I'm not sure if you hit the two or the three. Was, was, did I get the right one? It was just, it was funny. I was at my grandfather's house yesterday and he still has a rotary phone on the wall. He still uses that thing. Wow. Same one since like 78, I think he said. I think at Misty's mom's house, there's one in the front office of her mom's house that is hardwired. It's like, it doesn't have a plug, it's mm. hardwired into the house. Wow. Yeah. Wow. A fixture. Do you guys have a house phone? Nope. No, no, not anymore. Yeah, me neither. I think that that's a whole thing that's gone as well. Just the concept of having a house phone. That was a hard uh, hill to get over for me. When I got my first place, you know, I had a cell phone, but I still had a line put in. Mm-hmm. And I start thinking, well, maybe I don't need it. And then I'm like, well, what if the cell phone doesn't work? You know, what if the <laughs> signal cuts out? You know, but to finally cut the line, yeah, that was a big thing to. Now nobody can get a hold of me if I don't want them to. <laughs> right? Yeah. Turn off the phone. No one's going to come over. Far con- too connected, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we had one for a bit, and it was like, it, it didn't ring for like three years. And I was like, <laughs> occasionally my grandfather would call it like by accident. And then like, that was it. So we were like, all right, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to cut the cord on this. <laughs> Last time we had one, we ended up just getting it shut off because it was too many Mexican telemarketers calling. Really? Yeah. Well, we were in California too, so. Oh, well, there you but, go. Yeah. Hello? <laughs> Burrito. <click. laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, on that note, I think we should end the retro roundtable probably. Yeah, I, yeah. Do you have any more movies? I don't. I, I'm like reaching here. Labyrinth was the only other one that I had. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see all these movies. I, Labyrinth is a great one. I wasn't really into. I never saw. I tried to get David through Bowie. Labyrinth. Yeah, I know. Blasphemy. I the don't Messiah. like Labyrinth, but. Burn, oh, me okay. at, burn me at a stake. I'm Ghostbusters, I think, is, came out uh, the same time as the this uh, Stranger Things. I think the same year that it came out, right? Or maybe the year after. I'm not sure. It might have been the... I don't know. might have been the year after, I think. There we go. Well, a very good retro roundtable. I love how we get off topic there. Yeah. Just go do another <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, let's take a dive into the comic dump bin. Who would like to go first this week? I'll go first. Jake. It's been a while since I've led the charge here. So I've got something uh, very interesting that good Sir Jeremy found. Where did you say it was? It was just like in a dollar bin? Uh, uh, it was in the basement at Pack Rats. I, basement at Pack Rats. I've grown old with the thing, the new comics, so I just go to the basement and dig through the old For ones. that crazy stuff. Well, here yeah. we've got uh, right on the front it says superheroes from the mind of Clive Barker. So I open it up, and it was a lot less bondage than I would expect from the mind of Clive Barker, but it's definitely got some some hallmarks of his interests. And here we've got this uh, this character who is kind of a... Let's call him what he is. He's kind of a douche. He's got, like, the long, like, mullet-esque haircut, but, like, in a ponytail. 
that's like the worst of both worlds. Like if he just picked one or the other, it would look dignified. But they got this <laughs> bizarre hybrid. Yeah, it's, it's, hey, it was ninety four. Yeah, I guess yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. It was the look. And he is Trip Monroe, a failed magician and stand up comedian who, at some <laughs> point prior to this issue, developed superpowers. Trying to mend an achy, breaky heart. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, throughout the comic, his, like, suit jacket is, like, a field of, like, shifting stars. I think that's part of his angle is that he's got, like, space in his clothes. I don't know how to describe it without showing a picture. But he looks magical, you know. And um, now I, I get the impression a lot has happened prior to this issue I'm holding. Which would have made a great deal more sense, I think, if I was aware of it. But uh, it's Trip. He's kind of an ass. He's with someone who is a woman. She looks like a woman. Apparently is an old man that's been, like, polymorphed or something. They don't discuss that in detail, just that it is the case. And uh, the, the story here, there are two, like, concurrent things going. One is, like, he's somehow aware and not aware that he's in a comic book. Like, there's the in the first page it says... When I was a kid, I used to read this comic book called The Fantastic Four. There was this writer, I'll never forget his silly name, Stan Lee, and he'd do oh things, <laughs> right? Like have these superheroes go broke or get lost and have to ask directions or even get hassled by the cops. I'm sort of thinking about all that now that my life's become like some dang comic book story itself. Trip Monroe, super magician. <laughs> So then he's like, comic books, huh? I wonder if they're where I got in the habit of thinking in complete sentences. Oh, man. So there's a level of self-awareness. It was in a dollar box for a reason. Right, right. Well, here's the thing, because here's where it gets really dark. The Z-Man they mentioned coming back, where it says, witness the vintage violence of Z-Man. That's pretty awesome, by the way, so I got to give credit where it's due. This Z-Man was some, like, kid superhero, some, like, Bucky Barnes-esque figure. Um, that worked alongside this world's, like, Captain America analog. And he was with him when they started liberating concentration camps in World War II. Wow. And it really screwed with his head because he's just a kid and he's seeing all this stuff. So he kept going on these missions with the superhero but kept getting, like, a little more and more uneven. Stuff was starting to break him down. He was getting traumatized by this stuff. Eventually he, like, botches a mission, falls into some supervillain's atomic reactor thing, gains the ability to tear people apart molecule by molecule. Yeah, yeah, and he creates some kind of snafu where he accidentally, like, incinerates one of his teammates fighting a villain, and, like, his memory snaps. He forgets who he was. He just becomes a regular... He becomes, like, an insurance salesman. And then, like, 65 years later, all of a sudden it comes rushing back to him. Like, his memories return. Hmm. Because the villain he, like, tore apart at the atomic level was dispersed through time and space... And it took this long for him to reconstitute. He, like, builds this body for himself out of, like, rocks and chains and an animal skull. He calls himself in extremis. And uh, he remembers, you know, <laughs> this being out of time. And he's hunting down the 65-year-old man who just remembered that he can obliterate people with his eyes. So it's very odd. It's crazy. All and over it's hard to follow, but it's just interesting. How many pages is this comic? Oh, boy, let me see here. It's like... Well, it's pretty standard. I mean, yeah. it doesn't look thicker than it's any It's huge. Comic and, oh, and the best part is most of the pages are this ad for a board game slash VHS video called Dragon Strike. Is like a super Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I think I remember that. Yeah, and I uh, I've seen the videos before, and oh, they are hard to watch. <laughs> it is <laughs> it is brutal, but it's hilarious. It's yeah, it's it's not especially long. I, I would even say it's a little bit on the short side, but it's just a lot of story. Crazy guys. Yeah, there's a lot packed in there, but it's interesting. You know, it was it was a fun read. That is for goddamn certain. So yeah. 
Yeah, I, I recommend cool. it ish. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Frank, what have you been reading lately? Uh, lately, I've been. So I read a lot of digital comics um, on Comic Exology. And recently, Vertigo had a um, line wide sale. So it's like 60% off. So I picked up this book. It was called uh, Flex Mentalo. It was by Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly. So it was one of their earlier books that they did. It was kind of billed as like DC bringing this book over from like the premier British creators. And it was was really, really interesting. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about Grant Morrison. It's like sometimes he's very hit or miss with me because sometimes he gets like very metaphysical and just kind of a little too out there. Like we're like ultimate dimensions and time travel and all kinds of weird stuff. And it's just like makes my brain hurt a little bit too much, but like, (laughs) but, and this one was kind of like in a a similar like wave, but it's basically about, it's about this guy, Flex Mentallo, who's like, he's ripped right from the back of the like old school comics you know the guy, like the Tony Atlas guy at the beach that, like, you know, like the little skinny kid that gets picked on. Then he goes and he gets this, like, video and he works out and now he's all, like, muscular and right. like, wears, like, like, it's that guy. Like, Flex Mentallo is literally that guy. Oh, wow. Like, and he has his powers are so. His powers is he flexes and, like, a wave of energy, like, comes out and, like, blows things up. <laughs> so like it's kind of like it's kind of silly and when he does and when he flexes it says beach body or something above his head (laughs) and the whole thing is like beach body i can do the same thing it's no big deal so the whole thing is like that like this guy flex mental like is it's a superhero that like kind of lives in the world and like sprung from the mind of like this child who like created this created him as a character and then like somehow got willed into existence so that's kind of why like he's supposedly created by a child so that's why his you know his powers and everything are kind of like silly but like it takes like this really dark tone where like you see this person who like as an adult now who likes created flex mentallo and basically this guy's committing suicide by overdosing on on drugs and he's uh, he's on this phone and he's ta- telling the story and you, the entire time you have Flex Metal kind of running around. And he's looking for like the superheroes because uh, he believes that there's another superhero that from the story that he was in at when when he was a child's comic book character. So that got willed into this world as well. So he's he's on his own separate adventure to find this guy um, who you know he, he thinks just like him. While this you know the the this one guy basically is dying on uh on you know telling his life story on a phone as he overdoses on drugs and it gets it gets real weird and and like you never really can quite tell like if flex is like a real like is, is he supposed to be really happening or is it like all like inside the mind of this guy who's just like completely tripping out of his mind right now is like you know he swallowed like a zillion different types of drugs but it, it, you know, it gets real, real, real wacky and weird. But always like kind of like grounds back to this like central theme that, like, um, that flexes like the whole world is sort of like changed, and like it's almost like his Grant Morrison's kind of saying like comics have gotten like really, really dark, and he kind of wishes they can all go back to like the simpler days when like everybody was just kind of like you know like a hero, like the old school 
way of like silver age of comics or golden age of comics where like the heroes were all like chiseled and big, big and like you know always acted like prim and proper like flex always acts like like you know golly gee sir like that kind of way you know what i mean right. he's like a boy scout like that so you know it was it was good it was really really interesting um I, it's definitely worth a read uh, i picked it up you know kind of on a whim because i've heard people talk about it before and um frank quietly is just an amazing artist so he has to be like one of the best out there right now so just to see them two together you know i loved all-star superman so it was kind of like to see like that creative team like at, at its inception was really really interesting hmm. and there's a lot of good stuff on comic exology uh, you can get any vertigo published comic uh 60 off so i don't really? know if you ever yeah it's it's you know i picked up a bunch of stuff um and you know it's like i picked up the astro city first like limited series for four bucks that was great you're never gonna find that you know anywhere for four bucks mm -hmm. Yeah, and fan, you know, if you're a fan of Fables, I don't know if you guys are a fan of Fables, but Fables is amazing. Why the Last Man's amazing. Vertical put out a lot of really good stuff over over the years. I've been trying to kind of, I don't know, look into Vertigo a little bit, but mm -hmm. I don't really have a lot. I have Bloodshot, number one, and... Uh... Well, Bloodshot's Valiant. Yeah. Valiant, that's who I'm thinking of. Excuse me. Yeah, Vertigo's like the creator-owned imprint of, um, of DC. So they like DC Comics owns Vertigo, but like it's supposed like I think when they launched was back in like the 90s with like Sandman and Preacher and those type of books. So they were like the like the mature line for DC. It's like Swamp you Thing know? and Constantine too. Swamp, was, yeah. Was Transmetropolitan Vertigo? Yeah, I believe so. I thought I have something on Vertigo. I can't think of what it is. I actually, I think it's uh. Uh, Cryptozoic Man. I think those came out on Vertigo. Uh, the uh, Comic Book Man book, yeah, uh, Kevin Smith's no, buddies. Those came out from Dynamite. Damn it, I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> You're over 2. I don't have nothing Vertigo. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, um, yeah, definitely check out American Vampire. I don't know if you, um, I, I assume you guys like Scott Snyder's Batman because it's oh yeah like the, the most amazing thing you know out in comics for the longest time. But American Vampire, it's a book he does with um, Raphael Albuquerque. That's I mean that's just as great as anything he's done. Like that's my favorite stuff he did. And like the very very beginning, he co-wrote it with Stephen King, which is like the very it's very very good. So you have like like half of the story is like Scott Snyder's story, and then half of it is. Uh, Stephen King and it's basically about like this new breed of vampire that appears in like the 1800s wild west um and it follows that character you know and it's still ongoing right now I think we're up into the 1960s so it's uh it's it's great you know and like there's all these side books within stuff that's a really great book as well so definitely man it's if you guys have uh you know I would pop in there and check it out because Digital comics are the best way to like go back and read some of this stuff, you know, especially like what the cost of like digging up some old, like uh, you know, first issue of Preacher, like that's got to be like hundreds of bucks right now. Oh, so absolutely. You know, if you want to you want to read Preacher, like say from like one throughout, I mean, you can go get I guess like um, like a, a graphic novel, but sometimes like I just like the digital ones. You can get them all for like eighty cents a pop and just go right through them. Wow. Yeah, you can't beat that 80 mm -hmm. cents. Crap. Just like the old days. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Very cool. 
Jack, you want to go next? I'll go next with Doctor Strange. The title of this book was Shadow Queen. With an exclamation. Yeah. It looks like. It's it was intense. Shadow Queen! It was pretty good. Can you smell the, the pages? Oh, yeah. Like it, <laughs> that oh, old yeah, comic book it. smell. This I had a lot of fun with. I didn't. I was real skeptical at first because I don't know a lot about Doctor Strange other than like the Netflix movie, yeah. well, the movie they have on Netflix about him. But this uh, starts out, he's on his knees with his hands behind his back. There's a big fight going on. A big guy's got an axe getting ready to chop his head off. And there's a girl in the background saying, that man about to get executed is Doctor Strange. There's a lot of inner monologue bubbles. And, like, I don't know if it's just because of the time period, but he's like Mr. Macho Tough Guy, almost like porn star what? tough guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll show you in the next couple panels. <laughs> but he's kind of like, he doesn't know where he is or what's going on. He just knows he's about to get his head beat. So he thinks real quick and makes his cape take him fly him out of harm's way up into the middle of the sky and he's up in the air and he's like oh now I'm going to throw these fireballs down and it will separate them and they'll never know what happened so he does it they get separated he lands turns out the chick that was there is his sidekick she was looking for his sidekick Wong that found this black mirror that got sucked into it and they went to this other this other uh, dimension and they were attacked by these wizards that were going to take them to this queen and next thing you know this other group of people come and there's a big battle they start killing all the wizards and get rest they they get split up the girl and wong his sidekick and then all of a sudden these sky demons end up flying in oh the sky slayers and then there's another big battle so the girl and wong get separated and ends up being good guys that she's saved by so they're explaining this all to Doctor Strange. Meanwhile, there's while in the battle, he ends up going and picks her up and shows the next panel they're making out. <laughs> then, <laughs> like the people, the, the group that ends up saving the girl, they're explaining the whole backstory to Doctor Strange. Meanwhile, the leader of the other group throws this big magical symbol in the air, and Doctor Strange is like. Well, he's using this magical symbol. That's only you only use that if that's for good. Maybe if I use that for good, then no, no, I'm good too. So they do it, match it up. Then they're friends. <laughs> then there's a uh, ad for shoes by the Juice. Oh, shut up! <laughs> You're right. <laughs> get a picture of that. We gotta get that on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. And then all of a sudden they go on this big adventure to the castle where this evil queen is that's holding Wong. And there is... It's pronounced Wang. Wang. Is it Wang? No, it's Wang <laughs> no, in there. Just <laughs> He's holding his Wang in there. <laughs> meanwhile... <laughs> Top shelf. Meanwhile, humor. switching back over to the evil queen, and she turns a bunch of her minions into gargoyles because they, I guess they failed in attacking Doctor Strange earlier or actually kidnapping the woman. And then it cuts back to the group, and they're going into the castle, uh, subduing everyone in the castle so... Nobody knows that they're there. All they do is just shoot this mist in there. And they find Wong, end up rescuing him. Next thing you know, there's these evil gargoyles behind him. And he lets out the cry, By the hoary hosts of Hogarth! I I am Mothar of the hill people! (laughs) I'm wondering if they're going to use that in the movie at all. Oh, they have to. I I know, they've got to. It's going to be hilarious. That's like things saying it's clobbering time, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's got to be. But there's another big battle. He uses all his magic and saves the day. 
And at the end of the, the story, they're talking to Wong, and he's telling them that, like, millions of years ago or thousands of years ago, his ancestor came across this black mirror that he went into and met up with all these wizards, and they were gonna. They told him that they had him come into that dimension because they needed his help to take care of this evil being, and ended up turning the other way around. He was just a pawn for them to kill this other group of bad people. And while he's telling them, all of a sudden, it's the witch is sitting there watching them, and she's like, "Oh yeah, this is all going to plan. I wanted him to be saved by you, so now I can watch." Where you're at, I know exactly where you're at, and I'm going to kill Doctor Strange. Many layers into this one, huh? There, it was. I took two reads to to really get it, but the second read, it went through. It went pretty well. I understood a lot more. I'm excited to see the movie. The that's for sure. Hell oh, yeah, I am. Yeah, the movie looks really, really good. Yeah, like I in can't terms wait to of like the it. special effects and the kind of stuff they have, it had like the, the 3D part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm really pumped for it. Got your Cumberbatch. Got your what is it? Mads Mikkelsen, I think, is the villain. It's a mm-hmm. cool combo. Oh, Tilda Swinton and um, yeah. So like, isn't didn't they replace yeah, Wong with like a like a British girl? I am not sure. I don't know too much character-wise of Doctor Strange other than him. Yeah, I don't know. My, I'm I know there's Doctor Strange, Wong, and then there's like this white-headed girl that's his girlfriend, right? And that's pretty yeah. much all I know about Doctor Strange as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. he's always one of those characters I I enjoy. Like when he's like he shows up in Avengers and stuff, but. Like, yeah. I don't know if I would be, like, super into his own stories. But hearing you tell about telling this story, like, it definitely sounds like something I'd be into. So maybe I'll pick some up and give it a try. Number 43 from 1980. That's about the capacity I've only ever known Doctor Strange is when he comes in on other people's stories. You know, I've never read a Doctor Strange book, but it does sound cool. I'll have to get into it so I'm prepared for the movie. Also, then look over, hey, it's Doctor Strange here. Something must be going on. <laughs> Something magical, strange. All righty, very cool, very cool. <clears throat> My book is a book from uh, again the Pack Rats Dump Bin, just like every other week, and it's a Ghostwriter book. I was very excited to see Agents of Shield as has uh, the Ghostwriter in their uh, this season. Was it season three? No, four. Yeah, four. Four. Wow. And. Um, <clears throat> I was very on the fence because I wasn't big on the Ghost Rider in the uh, car, like the New Age Ghost Rider. Yeah. But, boy, it, I was surprised. They did it justice. Yeah. It looked pretty darn cool. Uh, so it got me in a Ghost Rider mood. And I've never, just like Doctor Strange, I've only ever seen Ghost Rider pop in in, like, you know, Avengers stories or just, you know, universal stories like Civil War or something rather mm-hmm. than... So I decided to pick one up, and I just grabbed one out of the bin. It simply says Ghost Rider. It doesn't have a title on it, unless the title is just Loser, 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 Loser. Right? That's a pretty striking. <laughs> but, um, oh, here it is. The End of a Champion is what it's called. This is from 1980, and the front just looks awesome. And I picked it up because I thought, well, maybe it's some kind of a number one of a certain series since it has no title and it looks very mysterious, whatnot. Anyway... It starts off with Johnny Blaze on the second or third night of a competition where he's going up against another stuntman, a new stuntman uh, who's on the rise by the name of uh, Flag Fargo. Yeah. Flag flag. Fargo. Say it one more time. Flag Fargo. I didn't like that. (laughs) (laughs) So um, Flag Fargo is really giving... Johnny Blaze a run for his money and he's taking it personally he's you know this is his livelihood this is his career 
he's a world champion, and here's someone who's threatening to knock him off of his throne. So um, with that in his head, you know, through every competition, he keeps screwing up because he's doubting himself in fear of losing, and then in turn does lose. So this is like the end of like the third night, and there's I think there's one more night of competitions to determine who's the new world champion. So after it's all over, uh, you know, uh, what's his name again? Flag Fargo. <laughs> Flag Fargo uh, just starts running his I mouth. I don't think you really forgot. I think <laughs> <laughs> Flag Fargo. He uh, just starts, you know, face it blaze. You know, you're on your way out. I'm the new champion. Just talking shit to him. And gets him to the point where he punches him out. And his manager's like, you know, Johnny, calm down, man. Don't let him get to you. You're the champion, man. So, you know, he's like, yeah, I don't want to listen to this. I need to get out. And he, he goes to a local uh, pub, if you will. And he's sitting there. Uh, maybe it's not a pub. It looks like he has coffee and uh, maybe some kind of a crumpet there. So who knows what he's eating. <laughs> but he's, he's sitting there feeling sorry for himself. And he sees a guy come in and get some carry out and then walks out. And while he's sitting there, he's like, I know that face. That's one of the thugs that I was trailing last week just down the road here and lost. So he uh, goes outside, and he's like, well, this looks like a job for the Ghost Rider. You know, <laughs> bursts into flames, jumps on his bike, and takes off after him. And I uh, love some of the descriptions here, like brimstone engines uh, thrumming ghostly silence as the hellborn Avenger pursues his quarry at satanic speeds through uh, wanly moonlit streets. And then, you know, then it cuts to his action bubble, but just like satanic speeds. I intense. stopped on when it said that. I was like, man... What does that encompass exactly? <laughs> anyway, at the speed of defiance in the face of absolute authority. <laughs> 65. <laughs> oh, speed limit. <laughs> so he comes around a corner under an overpass, and he has lost the person. The van is just gone. Now he's like, well, now I was trailing these guys last week. I lost them in the exact same spot. And every time, what is there is Flag Fargo's van or his his tour bus or whatever. So Johnny Blaze already having a chip on his shoulder against this guy just wants to jump to the conclusion, oh, he's involved with this. Busts through the side of his trailer, picks him up, bounces him off the ceiling, threatens to steal his soul and burn it, you know, send him to eternal damnation. And he's like, you know, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I'm just a stuntman. <laughs> so uh, Johnny Blaze leaves, realize he through a tantrum, you know, and does some researching, realizes that uh, that Flag Fargo is indeed clean. You know, he's on the straight and narrow, and he's like, man, I need to really watch my temper here. So he starts, like, I need to go back to where I lost us, do some, invest, do some uh, investigative work. And after looking, like, at a different perspective from an overpass, he sees this cave in the side of this, uh, like, big mountain that's all hidden from the road by shrubbery. So he goes down there, finds that this is where this van's been pulling in and he follows this tunnel for a while until he hits some stairs that lead to like a uh, like a crawl hatch like a cellar door opening that opens up from the floor inside these guys hideout and you can hear him in there playing poker and just this scene where he busts through the floor <laughs> just says the ghost rider <laughs> <Ta -da! laughs> introducing himself but uh <laughs> I got a kick out of that But he just grabs this one dude And he just busts into flames This other dude he has his hand over his face Burning, you know Just no mercy Just destroys these dudes 
And after he got has these guys, you know, this has happened all night since the competition the night before. He's like, well, I'm not going to have any sleep uh, before going in to for day four. I'm surely going to lose this thing. So he shows up five o'clock shadow, looking all disheveled, and and Flag Fargo gives him a lot of crap. You know, like, oh, where you been, man? You been staying up all night? Oh, this is going to be a shoe, and <laughs> you know. Classic Fargo. Right. Yeah. But but Johnny Blaze has talked himself down from that. You know, I'm not going to be an asshole. I'm just going to try to be straight because, you know, he let his he let his insecurities get the best of him. And in turn, he almost killed the, an innocent guy. So he's like, yeah, we'll see who's the better man out there. <laughs> so uh, he starts doing tricks he's never done before and really amazing the audience. But it still isn't good enough. And he loses by five points. And after it's all said and done, Flag Fargo comes up and he tries to offer him the the trophy you know this whole comic they've been at each other's throats but at the end he goes you know look i grew up passionate about this and he goes i looked up to you and i've always wanted to be the next stuntman so you know what i'm doing is out of respect and stuff and he goes some of the stunts you pulled tonight i knew were brand new and i've never seen anything like it it could never do it i want you to have this trophy and uh he goes no Keep it. You've earned it. He goes, while you were at home working, I was driving around the country feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> so, uh, you know, next time I'll be twice as sharp and get you. So they talk some more shit to each other part ways. And then just the very last panel, it shows him on his bed, like distraught again. Like, well, this is the end of my story. Or, or is it a new beginning? Oh, now he can ghost part. ride full time. It's like, he can. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple parts in here. I don't know if it's because I'm looking at it upside down. Let's see if I can find it real quick. It was entertaining, I will say. It looked like Donald Trump. I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hair. The hair sells it. I'm, I'm the ghost, ghost rider. I'm ghost rider. <laughs> I can't. I'd have to work on my Trump. Yeah. <laughs> he looks just like Trump. He does. It's, it's pretty spot on. Oh. If I he came onto the debate like Ghost Rider, I, I mean, it, at this point, it couldn't hurt, right? Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> I am the Ghost Rider. Yeah, That's the next like, campaign ad we'll see. If he rode up to the podium on a motorcycle in flames, like I, I think, I think that may swing my vote. <laughs> he does have a hellacious comb over right yeah. there. It's yeah. sickening. Oh, yeah, Photoshop. I'm gonna have some fun with that in Photoshop. Right. But this this book was awesome because all I've ever known of Ghost Rider is just straight vengeance, just you know, kind of like the Punisher. No uh, real humanity to that character. But uh, this definitely showed me some. Mm-hmm. You know, the insecurities he had. You know, and I thought I, I wasn't sure if when he went into Ghost Rider, you know, mode, if he was mindless from Johnny Blaze or if he kept his consciousness about him while right. he was in that state. And he, he, you know, he indeed does. So it was cool. I enjoyed it. Ghost Rider. I've fallen off of Agents, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but um, is the Ghost Rider that's on that, is that Johnny Blaze or is it uh, Danny Ketch? It's, or is uh, it somebody else? It's the new fella. I don't Robbie know. Reyes, the new guy Robbie with Reyes? the uh, charge. What is it? A- Charger? Charger? Yeah. yeah, I think a Charger. And I think what turned me off so much about that new Ghost Rider was just... And not that it's bad artwork, it's just not for me. The artwork they used in the, yeah. that comic, it yeah. was not doing it for me. I want some detail when the dude's got a skull with flames right. shooting out of his, the, you know, the neck of his shirt. It was more like, even though I hate to put it that, but like Samurai Jack, kind of. How so? Just the artwork. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And not necessarily like minimal, but kind of like low... Like flash animation, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I wasn't digging it, but um, yeah, seeing him on Agents of Shield and bringing some humanity, like a real life looking skull, and that charger just looks badass yeah. when it's in flames. Mm-hmm. So you can't deny that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, Ghost Rider. Another successful comic dump bin. All right, well, with that, let's just turn our full attention over to Frank Mueller and talk about Fall Streak. Now, Frank, once again, I want to thank you for being here and thank you for letting us take an advanced look at Fall Streak here. This being the inspiration for today's Retro Roundtable, Stranger Things, this really <laughs> struck a chord with me. I, I just loved it. I got into it, and I couldn't put it down. It was just very much that uh, same kind of Stranger Things feel almost. So can you tell the listeners about Fall Street? Oh, thank you so much, man. Uh, yeah, Fall Street is uh, it's a new graphic novel that, that I just completed with um, my writing partner, Michael... Uh, McCloskey and artist Tyler Souls, who's also been on the show. Um, and, uh, you know, we we started it about two years ago. It, it's basically the story is about it takes place in Oregon and it starts off in the 90s where in a world where these clouds can fall from the sky. And basically they're called um, cloud emptings where a cloud will just fall from the sky and whatever it lands on, it'll just freeze and out of that, like that ice, these monsters are these monster form, and uh, it follows a group of kids that discover this, and they get kind of sucked into this conspiracy that you know they're, that the government's trying to cover up the existence of these monsters, and you know terrible uh, terrible things sort of happen to them, um, you know, through the course of this this obsession that they have to uncover the truth. It follows them over the course of many, many years, and you get to see their lives and how they interact. So when we, we've we been uh, pitching it and, and selling it, we, we kind of sold it as uh, The Hardy Boys meets The X-Files. Um, oh, I can you know. see that. Yeah, and, that, and that, that, I think that was the original kind of tone that we went for when we were creating it. Um, but yeah, Stranger, it, de- it definitely has... If you like Stranger Things, I think you, you'll you'll really like Fall Street because it does have a, a Stranger things feel to it i remember when i first saw stranger things i called up mike i was like you really need to watch this this is uh this is a lot like fall streak you know it's got the kids running around and the monster that nobody sort of believes them um so it's uh it's it it follows that tone of uh of you know a group of kids kind of kind of off doing their own thing and trying to you know unravel a giant mystery being part of something they shouldn't be a part of yeah, and sticking her nose where it don't belong. You know, just set in the early 90s during the era of uh, Kurt Cobain and flannel shirts instead of uh, the 80s. <laughs> I love the idea of the uh, the cloud dumping. That was insane. That first time where you see it, you're like, what, what, what the hell was that? You know, <laughs> that was so, so the cool. Sto- the story, um, the, the entire story is based on a short story that um, my writing partner, uh, Michael McCloskey, wrote like and he's um he's a he's a guy that i know for a long time that i I, he's a very good baseball player i play baseball with him here and he was showing me like all the stuff that he wrote and he uh had a bunch of short stories that he wrote and one of them was called when it happens and it's all about that that's basically the you know the first issue of fall streak is most of that stuff is taken from his short story of where the cloud kind of falls from the sky and freezes everything that touches and the monsters come out and danny and matt earn it and then from there you know when i read it it kind of stopped abruptly um you know right when um, matt and danny meet the monster and i was like you know this is really good mike like I was really into this, you know, we should, we should finish this and like make this like a, a comic book. So he was all for it, you know, and we, we, uh, we started like putting it out, 
uh, went online, started looking at a ton of artists, and uh, then we stumbled upon uh, Tyler Souls, and um, who you know was absolutely amazing to work with on this project because we knew we really needed a, an artist that um, there's not a tremendous amount of action in it. And a lot of the a lot of the tone and the and the story takes place on the human interactions between these kids, uh, because they're teenagers and they're going through very teenager things. There's you know there's a bit of a love triangle going on, and you know a lot of it focused on the back and forth between best friends. So we knew that we needed a, a really strong artist that could capture like the facial expressions needed to convey the, the emotional tone that we wanted. And Tyler like just nailed it out of the park, like every single time. Um, and some of the, some of the panel layouts and the, and the shot choices were, you know, very, very, very complicated stuff that he, he managed to pull off like flawlessly. So I, I was, we were both, you know, very fortunate to have him on the project. We've had uh, Tyler on the show a few different mm-hmm. times, and my God, you, you, I mean, you nailed it on the head. He's, he and his wife have put out some beautiful stuff. Uh, Durantis comes to mind. The Lost Serpent, yeah. remember oh, that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. Man, that was a gorgeous book. Yeah, and Hank Steiner is a really fun book to read. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, Tyler's great. Tyler's a great guy, man. I, I enjoyed working with him, man. He was, uh, he's a lot of fun. He's still, you know, I still like, we shoot show check Texas every once in a while and just kind of, you know, talk about you know fall streak and you know what uh, you know what what's going on with it, and then hopefully uh, if, hopefully one day if you know it it does well enough, we can revisit this world and uh, pick it up again and go on for the next series. But it's uh, you know we're very excited to put it out there and you know to get people to take a look at it and see it. It's uh, it took a long time, and I think you know from everything that we've heard back on it. It seems to be like a pretty, pretty solid story, a pretty enjoyable story, and very different from what, you know, you see kind of out there right now. It's, it's, it doesn't fit comfortably in any like, any genre box. It, it kind of crosses between like, you know, this sort of uh, teenage love story, nine hundred two and zero drama slash monster sci-fi mystery, you know, slash. Uh, conspiracy government agent stuff going on so it's 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 cool that it you know you can't just bucket it with like any particular one kind of genre it's different and um i think that's what really like everybody reacted strongly to stranger things was about you know because it was different than everything we've seen before you know and um i'm hoping that fall street kind of strikes the same chord with people I think another thing that uh, really works, too, that catch, captures my intrigue, too, is keeping the viewer or the reader, in this case, in the same mindset as the main character. And what I mean by that is not divulging too much information to the viewer slash reader that the main character doesn't have. This monster stays just as much a mystery to you as it does the main character throughout the book. So, uh, and the same kind of thing in Stranger Things, you know, it wasn't until really the end of the season that you find out anything or even see it for that matter. So I think that's what another thing that really helps, uh, you know, maintain interest. Um, another thing we were uh, going to ask the copy we have here is a black and white book. Is this going to stay black and white or is this going to be color or we, um, I think it's most. It's probably going to be a black and white book. Um, there was some talks with a with a larger publisher that wanted to see it in color. So there are like a couple of pages that we colored, 
it really depends on the on uh, how we end up deciding to put it out. You know, in terms of publishing, I think personally, I like it better as a black and white book. I feel like it, it fits the tone a lot better. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. You know, and like that grayscale that Tyler put a lot of work into that kind of grayscale. So, um, and the entire the entire like emotional feel of the story is like that cloudy dreary like somewhat like ohio weather yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. yeah like um when we were writing it me and mike one of the big inspirations at the time was um the show the leftovers on hbo oh where yeah. like that show would kind of always like you'd watch it and you'd always kind of at the end of it kind of feel like kind of depressed yeah like, it's, like, it's that bleak kind of oppressive atmosphere yeah. And, like, I, I always found that show to be, like, really, really fascinating to me. Um, you know, one story is really good. The acting is really good. But also, like, you know, like, all these other shows, like, everything I had watched, like, you know, always made me feel, like, one way. But this one show is making me feel a completely different way. And I found it very interesting and different that, like, this show just took you on a different path. So, you know that tone was something that we we strive for especially in the first couple issues when you know we focus a lot on death and tragedy and you know life and all this hopelessness kind of stuff that let's be honest like you know as a teenager that you know that kind of uh everything sucks kind of feeling is uh you know like something that like most of us feel at that time right mm -hmm. Um, so we wanted to capture that kind of like, you know, like that kind of tone, that like dark, spooky tone. And, um, you know, I, and I'm, I just feel like, you know, the, the grayscales and stuff like that really, really set it off. Absolutely. But we did color, we did color a, com a couple of pages. Um, you know, Sarah colored a couple of pages for us, um, just so we could shop that around as well. Just, so, you know, if, say like hey you know this is what it looks like colored and it looks fantastic color too um but you know i guess that's mainly the only printing. reason i asked not that i asked because i think it needs color but because when you said tyler souls i think of uh, tyler and sarah's work together so i wondered if maybe she was going to be pulled in at all but no it's yeah no she colored, she colored a bunch of pages for us um i mean when you go to print the comic um especially you know we you know with aces and eights and stuff and and we're printing it ourselves um it's cheaper to print black and white mm -hmm. so mm. it makes a big difference <laughs> gotcha. you know what i mean yeah but um, it's helping the story too you're, you're right it definitely helps carry the uh, the tone yeah so i i think uh i think we'll keep it black and white you know unless uh unless like unless it gets gobbled up by a you know a mainstream publisher who demands color and you know we'll do what we got to do well, talking mainstream publishers, and I'm not kissing your ass here or anything, but guys, look at this this cover here. I mean, that's an image that's, that's yeah, an image that's exactly wall title right yeah, there, absolutely. and I think this has the caliber to be an image title, if not an actual TV show or movie. Oh, thanks a lot, man. I, um, I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's thank you again for sending it to us. Uh, so, is there anywhere? I mean, you, I, you had mentioned before we started the show, you're going to be at New York Comic Con coming up here. Are you there just visiting, or are you actually going to have like a booth? No, I'm I'm there just visiting for New York because, um, you know, we were everything kind of fell through because my business partner um, Sal Brucolari, who runs Ace and Eights with me, mm -hmm. um, he got you know he's recently got a new day job, so he's he just really couldn't spare the time 
to go to you know table in New York during the during the week. I see. Uh, plus, it's you know it's hard to get into New York too. Um, sure. You know, especially you know for indie creators and. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been to New York Comic Con, no. but it's it's like they put like the indie people like really like in the corner, <laughs> like you know what I mean. Believe it, yeah. So like, you know, I don't know if it's really worth it with the exposure. It's much more fun for me just to go and walk around. I get to see everybody, um, you know, that I that I see. And we've been tabling at like conventions here and there around the area. And then uh, recently this year, we also tabled at Heroes Con, which was in Charlotte, which was a, a ton of fun, and we made a lot of good friends there. So I'm looking forward to kind of meeting up with some of the people we tabled with, and you know, showing them some stuff and seeing what they got on the table and. You know, having just a good time. Can, you know, New York, the one great thing about New York is that everybody's there in terms of comic creators. Um, and it's such a big show that, like, you're able to, like, the people that would be, like, A-list people at, like, a normal, like, smaller con that would have, like, lines out the door, like, often you'll just see, like, you know, uh, like, Humberto Ramos just kind of sitting there. You know, and you could walk right. up and you could, t- you know, like last year I just walked up and talked to Eric Larson for like 20 minutes. You know what I mean? It's like, geez, wow. like any other show, like Eric Larson would have like a two hour wait. I remember being uh, like a, a kid uh, when Savage Dragon first came out and I waited online for like, and this is like during the height of the image revolution. Um, I waited online for an hour just to get like, to Eric Larson to sign like a copy of my Savage Dragon. Um, and then it was just cool to like walk by and see him. Like now you're talking like 20 years later and, uh, you know, he just, he's just chilling there. It's probably in the same exact spot I saw him last time. Um, but it's, it's, it's great that like there's so many people there that you get to like, you get, you know, much more one-on-one interaction with some of these bigger people. Um, because, there's just so many superstars that it just becomes commonplace for them, yeah? Right. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I enjoy walking around, and, and, and I'm looking forward to going to New York. It's funny you mentioned, uh, you know, how you can meet some of your heroes a lot easier at the bigger con than you can at most run-of-the-mill conventions. I uh, was hoping, when we went to the Cincinnati Comic Expo last weekend, to, like, meet and get to talk with Steve McNiven. And I did get to meet him, and I did get an autograph or two, but there were so many freaking people there. And I don't know, when I think of a convention, you know, celebrities are one thing. Of course, you're not going to get within a few feet of a celebrity yeah. without paying some money. But your your favorite comic artist, I feel like that's kind of the point, is to go and to meet them and get your autograph, you know, without being gouged to death. And <laughs> yeah. uh, Steve wasn't doing that, you know. I, I got a free autograph from him. It was personalized. Now, if they were unpersonalized, you had to pay 10 bucks, But... It, anyway, I guess what I'm getting at, it's amazing how uh, much the scene has changed, or I guess just evolved in the past 20 years, because I can honestly remember in the 90s, Stan Lee coming to, uh, like, Springfield, Ohio, several times. He's going to be signing at the library this weekend. Come on <laughs> out. You know, it was no big deal. And, I mean, people would come out, but hardcore comic fans. And now, I mean, he's like a mecca celeb, mm-hmm. you know? You can't get yeah. anywhere close to him. <laughs> yeah. It's just funny. I wish I would have gone to the library back in the days. <laughs> I know it's. Uh, I think he's only doing like one or two more shows, and then he's done. I mean, he's he's well into his nineties. So yeah, this was know. his last uh, Midwest uh, appearance. Uh, East, or Mid-East. Mid-East. Yeah, 
We're in the Mideast? Who knows, man? <laughs> I've even seen the map, and I, I, it doesn't make sense. Corn, Syria right now. Yeah. <laughs> so now people are going to have a chance to uh, check out Fall Streak by signing up for your newsletter, right? Yeah, so uh, if you go to our website, which is aaaapress.com, um, there's an option there where you can sign up sign up for our newsletter we send out one newsletter like every like six weeks so we're not like constantly shoving things down your throat um because i know i know i hate that when i get like i sign up for a newsletter and i get 18 notifications like a day like i really don't need to know what you're doing every 10 minutes like it's you know it's like once every like six weeks we just send like an update we're like hey you know, here's what we're working on. Here's some cool new pages of stuff that we're working on. We're still publishing um, my other title, The Devil You Know, which is uh, where Hard at Work at Issue 6, which wraps up the first story arc. And it's, um, you know, it's it's coming to its fiery, awesome, over-the-top, gratuitous violence <laughs> nice. conclusion. Wouldn't have it any um, other way, though, Frank, right? Uh, yeah, we're going out with a bang, murdering everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the end of the first story arc. And, uh, it, you know, I plan to, to have that, um, you know, can pick up again in a little bit. Um, so, you know, you'll get some advanced pages of that. You get some advanced pages of um, some of the projects that my – um, my partner, uh, Sal Brucolari, who does a webcomic called See You Next Tuesday, which is C-U-N-E-X-T-E-U. Oh, God, I messed that one up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, uh, it's, like, it. it's a good book. It, yeah, it's a good weekly story. webcomic. It updates every Tuesday. It's about <clears throat> the Bride of Frankenstein, and she uh, she solves uh, these you know murder mysteries and uh it's it's very uh, film noirish slash uh, real fun and light and uh, like uh, Sal has a very good tone like uh, mm-hmm. like a very like all ages like funny slash serious tone which uh, I really enjoy so you know we have that book we have Soul Men which is another book that Sal has put out that's um, you know that's coming out on Comic Exology and you know if you sign up for the web comic uh, I mean the the newsletter there's every time we send one out we also include a Dropbox uh, link where you could go in there and you could just download a bunch of free comics um, hey, and hey. Stuff from Aces Eights, and also sometimes we'll we'll include like little go- goodies from other um, other indie creators that we're friends with that we knew that you know want to cross promote with us. Um, so it's always like a, a, you know for those of you know comic fans that are uh, that you know stray off the mainstream path and are really into some indie comics. It's a it's it's a good chance to just kind of stay in touch and uh, and see some of the stuff that's going on in the indie comics world. And we plug other artists and other projects as well. We kind of do like a update of like what we're reading and what we like. So it's uh, it's good. It's a good way to kind of like you know maybe get some recommendations on some stuff that you know you wouldn't normally hear of, and uh, you get some free comics out of the deal. So uh, and the next newsletter that goes out, which will be going out. Um, before the end of October, we'll have the full 82-page graphic novel of Fall Streak um, included in its uh, grab bag. So you could have the entire issue of con- the entire book of Fall Streak for free if you just sign up for the web uh, for the newsletter. How about that? I mean, what other newsletters giving you free stuff? <laughs> right, free this comics. 80-page comic. Right? This is a we- good comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, we, we run our business uh, where we just give everything away for free, which is probably explains why we don't make any money. But uh, 
So it's but a labor I mean, of we're love. not really. Yeah, we're not really in it for the money. Let's say we're we're, in for, we're just we do it because we enjoy it. And like, you know, I, I'd be doing this no matter what. So you know, for me, just to get other people out there and read it, it's it's. It's a real treat for me to, you know, to to write something and and be part of a team that creates these kind of comics and brings um, these stories to life. I mean, there's no better joy in the world than like seeing an artist hand you back a page of something that you wrote and seeing it come to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially like when an artist nails that page, uh, it's just it's like Christmas morning when you walk down <laughs> and you saw like Super Nintendo. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like it's that exact uh, feeling, and uh, I'm very very p- proud of Fall Street. There's so much in there that um, that when I wrote it down with Mike, um, and I got back the pages from Tyler, were like a hundred times better than I even thought they could be. Um, there's one page in particular that where the main character Matt gets drunk and the entire page like swirls and like you know to kind of yes. like give the illusion. Like that page when I wrote that down, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is gonna he's still gonna work. And so I was like, don't worry, I got it. And it was like, wow, you nailed this. This is amazing. Um, and I was so proud of that page. And you know, it's just. It's very, I'm very happy for it, and I, I really hope that, um, you know, people get out there and they see it. And if you, anybody, you know, signs up for the newsletter and they read it, you know, just feel free to shoot shoot us an email as well and, you know, tell us if you like it. You know, that's great. We would love to hear, you know, we would love to hear any any feedback on it. And, you know, it helps us, one, it helps us grow as a, you know, as a company to know what people like and what people don't like and, you know, grow as creators. Uh, man, it's just great to kind of hear that, you know, people are out there and people are digging it, man. Makes us feel good. Sure. And it, you should be proud. It's a great book and we'll help uh, make it as easy as possible for people to get uh, to your website and to sign up for that newsletter because you'd be stupid not to. We'll be Free making comments. it mandatory. Yeah. Actually. Punishable <laughs> by death. Failing. I like the way you think. We'll do that. Personally, go to each person's house. Did I've you got do it time yet? on my hands. No? Why not? You guys think this is a joke. This is a problem. It'd be like, you ever see uh, Jay and Silent Bob yeah. strike back when he goes to all those people's houses and you like oh, yeah. made fun of them? Are you the one that said this, this, and this? <laughs> Beat the living hell out of him. Yeah. <laughs> well, Frank, I want to thank you for being back on the show. And again, we're going to have links on the website to Aces and Eights Press and to uh, the newsletter. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for having me on. It was, it was real fun. We had a blast. Thank you, Frank. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to CanDarePodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, visit the Wall of Heroes and see the Hall of Justice, or maybe the other way around. Check out the videos from our YouTube page, <laughs> and if you want to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And people, we want to see your cans. Show us your cans. Contest going on right now to win a whole boatload of free comics. And all you have to do is go to the website, or you can, I've made it as easy as going to the uh, Twitter. Just download the picture on there. You can print everywhere. out the, the label to the Canned Air can. Put it around a can in your pantry and take some pictures of it in cool locations and send it to us. Use the hashtag, here's my can. Thank no you. punctuation, all one word. I would have forgotten that, so thank you. I'm here to help. <laughs> <laughs> help you are. If anything. But come on, 
you, you're just taking the picture for a ton of, what was it, like uh, 12, 13 free comics, a t-shirt, like that, a bunch yeah. of stickers. Come on. Come on. All right, I don't know what else to say other than <laughs> come on. We've got a box. <laughs> All right, well, uh, until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I am Jake Gregg. And I'm Frank Bion. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's one thing to break a window, but it's another to blame Simple Billy. You should be inside listening to the Candare podcast. What about the window? I guess you shouldn't have broke it. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! I remember towards I'm the probably... end. Go ahead. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I I'm toward... probably da- oh god <laughs> stepping on each other. Well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today, and uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts.